Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. At Kroger, we believe it takes the right team to bring you the freshest produce. That's why we partner with farmers who grow only the best. And that level of teamwork means better, fresher options time and time again. Working with farmers is what it takes to be fresh for everyone. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Hi, and welcome to The Science of Magic, a program combining the science and magic of today's leading topics to co-create new solutions and promote evolutionary thinking. I'm your host, Golda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring shamanic dreams. If you go back far enough in any nationality, you'll find a shamanic earth-based society. Research of any culture's ancient shamanic practices reveals that all employed numerous forms of dream decoding. Even the journey trance common to every shamanic practice is a form of interactive dream. Through the shamanic journey, the practitioner can foretell the future, transcend time and space, perform healings, and manage matter at the quantum level. Everyone sleeps in dreams. Most of us spend one-third of our lives in the dreamscape. Yet as a rule, we give it very little thought. Why, why this avid cross-culture attention to dreams? Is there something shamanic societies know that we've forgotten? Could there be secret information locked in our dreams that could help us with today's uncertainty? Do we have mysterious powers found only in the dreamscape? Our guest this hour, a lovely lady we've had the pleasure of having on the show before, is in a unique position to explore the fascinating topic of shamanic dreams. Sandy Corcoran, a holistic integrative practitioner, shamanic counselor, an indigenously trained dream decoder. 
She's the author of the book Shamanic Awakening and the meditative CD, Sold Out, and co-creator of the STAR process, a spiritual retrieval modality. Sandra spent 35 years in mentorship with indigenous wisdom keepers. She's conducted yearly sacred journeys through the Americas, England, Ireland, Italy, Turkey, and Egypt, and offers workshops on a variety of subjects. You can find all of this on her website, starwalkervisions.com. Sandy, thanks so much for joining us once again on The Science of Magic. Thank you for having me, Gilda. <laughs> so how have you been? I've been terrific. How about yourself? I've been real good. I've been real good. Would you mind sharing with us what exactly is an integrative practitioner? Well, I have studied a variety of modern and ancient modalities, and I blend those when I work with different people uh, because they resonate to different things. Uh, Some people want straight psychotherapy. Some people want a little bit more edge to that in the new fields of epigenetics um, and the biofield research. Sometimes people cannot Uh, release a lot of what they're feeling and yet if we explore it through the dream time or through the biofield through a deeper theta meditation they're able to confront and change the way they look at certain situations in their life adding to their ability to heal or at least gain a different perspective so I kind of mix them all together depending on the client and their needs and what they're able to resonate at in terms of their own belief systems before I start introducing them to some of the more edgier things that people might not be used to. So it's kind of like custom-made. It is. How fun is that? Where did you get your training? I received my training, my master's program, in the um, Integrated Arts and Expressive Therapies at the University of Leslie, which is part of Harvard now. Um, My undergrad was in special needs, biology, and psychology. And then through a series of deep losses that happened early on in my life, I was sought out by uh, indigenous um, Native women in the United States, uh, four of them. And they each taught me at different levels what their culture perceives the energy body and the dream time and healing to be. And then I did quite a bit of work in South America, Central we're going to have to we're going to have to pick up on this exciting <laughs> topic on the other side. Um, it's time for a short break, but before we pause for the cause, I'd like to tell you about an exciting upcoming provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment, shamanic style. Pathum Shamanic Art School new series, Galactic Shamanism: Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow, are leading edge online affordable classes designed to guide and support you and your family during these times of transition. They'll be coming soon to findyourpathhome.com. Sandy and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic, aired daily on xzdbn.net. Prior episodes can always be accessed free of charge on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213 213- 
401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is the author of Shamanic Awakening and Dream Decoder, Sandra Cochran. Her website, starwalkervisions.com. Sandy, we were just getting into some interesting stuff about your mentors, the, the indigenous ladies that, um, that trained you. Yes, um, and I don't want to give a kind of a litany of what is certified and what is non-certifiable, um, but I have been very blessed uh, to have studied with a large variety of native people in different cultures. And um, as you mentioned early in your introduction, they all have this sense of what energy is and what the dream time can do and how we can move beyond our concept of being concretized to time and space. So I find it very similar in one hand and very different given the different cultural diversities on the other. Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. I, you know, it seems like to a one, uh, your indigenous cultures work with the dreams, but some actually believe we dream reality into being, like the aboriginals. Could you speak to that? Of course. I think most believe that we dream um, and manifest the world that is to come through what we dream now, what we believe today, where we put our, our focus. Um, and because everything is made of energy and consciousness is always changing, the dream time allows us to bypass the time and space and wounds and distractions that we often uh, have in this everyday reality so that when we work within the dream time, we are able to take what is today and manifest it as our tomorrow. If we pay attention to the cues that our higher self, our spirit, even our shadow side is trying to impart to us in those dreamscapes. So what are dreams exactly? That's a great question. I think at its most basic, the dream is uh, the untethered part of ourself, the deep unconscious part of ourself, the subconscious part of ourself, which occupies about 95% of what is still unconscious to us. Our ego mind has to rule our everyday reality, and we need it to stay functioning. But when it becomes overbearing or when we use just the intellect instead of our heart-centeredness, we miss out on all these other things that really are in our medicine bag, really are the places we can tap. So the dream is just one of those places in this kind of electromagnetic universe that we can use to attract to ourselves some of the knowing that we might not allow ourselves to believe in the daytime and then work with it. I mean, there's been many scientists and musicians, et cetera, who have taken those things from the dream and concretized them into something beautiful in this reality. It's amazing, isn't it? So how can the average person work with their dreams? I think the most basic thing is, you know, none of us have um, a dream incubator or an Asclepian temple or can reside... um, you know, within the womb of the mother, so to speak. But we all can keep a dream journal. And I think our dreams are mainly based on feeling. And when we're able to give the dream a name and allow the feeling of the dream to come through, even if it's just one word or a title or a color you see when you wake up, you can begin to work with that and build upon that to get a deeper sense of what you're trying to tell yourself to work in a better way while you're awake. I'm a big, I'm a big uh, proponent of the dream journal. I don't think, I think people have a dream and they discard it or they think about writing it down and then they don't. And you really lose, you know, the nugget of what you're trying to tell yourself. You know, I had this wonderful dream journal. I wish I could find one again because it, on one side it had a dreamscape picture, you know, on the, on the cover. But if you flip it upside down backwards on the other side, it had a daytime figure. And so oh, you write on one, yeah, you write on one side of the page what goes on during the day, a journaling, and then a journaling of night. And when you start to uh, cross-reference, that's amazing. 
It is, because then you get all these little ley lines that connect to each other. And it really helps you unravel and prepare for what you need to do to either become conscious, to use it for your own healing or your own growth. And it even helps, in, and I'm sure you've seen this in all your trainings too, it really helps when we cross during our death. A lot of times they call the dream state the little death. And that's because if we are conscious of what the dream is trying to tell us, then when we're transitioning at the end of our life, the same way you review and renew through the dream, you can do that through those bardo states as you're moving into another level of consciousness. So dreaming is actually just uh, walking up the scale of frequency then, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I believe that sound is the most overlooked thing by most people because sound creates light and it creates uh, DNA. It can kill pathogens. Um, You know, all of our cells have these little antenna on them that correspond to the vibration of sound. And it moves um, unseen, but sound is really what manifests in physical form. And so whether it's an aboriginal painting of the dream time or even possibly crop circles, I think that sound and vibration is really beginning to bring into our electromagnetic fields throughout the universe is this kind of cosmic connection to, to plasma, which is one of the five levels of matter I think we have most overlooked. Absolutely. And you know, um, every indigenous culture, the shamanic practice, uses some form of repetitive sound or motion to enter into the dream state, into the shamanic journey trance. And this explains why, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, because, you know, when you do a mantra, it does affect your DNA. DNA excuse me. Um, that's why everybody from Hindus to Buddhists to Native Americans to Aborigines, you know, they begin with the song. The song brings the story, and that's sound. Song and story. Story is, is a cadence in itself, isn't it? It is. Just fascinating. I love the way all this ties together. So what kind of dreams are there? Well, you know, I think many cultures call them different things, but my dream, main dream mentor was Grandmother Twyla of the... uh, Yes, Twyla Niche. Yeah. Yeah. Uh She was just a dear. Um, And as I understood her teachings, you know, the first dreams we have are kind of our cleansing or discharge dreams, uh, the Mm -hmm. emotions we're wrestling with. So like processing. Right. And then you have uh, conscious or lucid dreams where we're the guide ourselves into the greater knowingness. You can have precognitive dreams that bring you an intrinsic peace or awareness of a future event. You can have interactive dreams with the ancestors or a family member who's crossed or your spirit helpers to help inform you. And then you can have the nightmare, which is perfect because it grabs our attention and exposes the aspects of our shadow or our unknowing or our fears that are no longer serving us. So I think there are many different ways of decoding the dream, naming the dream, but it's all based on the feeling of the dreamer. They're the best ones to um, voice what the dream content is about. That's why I always have my my clients read me the dream in their voice. Mm, Okay. So again, you're dancing with sound, aren't you? I am. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta love it. (laughs) So, so, um, is through shamanism, through the shamanic journey trance, the practitioner directs their dreams. Is there a way the average person can do that, uh, to direct their dreams before they go to bed or something? One of the ways Graham suggested I do that was to um, put something next to the bed, for instance, a feather or um, a particular picture or totem. And as you go to bed at night, keep repeating to yourself to look for that in the dream time. And when you see that, you become conscious of the fact that you're seeing what you've already impregnated the dream with, and you can become more lucid in it. Mm. Uh, My... My Toltec teachers used to tell me to um, put a glass of water next to the bed and clink the water, and that would make a sound. And in that sound, it would be a notification to your guides or uh, the unknown that you want a dream. And in the morning, you drink the water and then immediately write your dream. Therefore, 
bringing the sound through the water into your cellular structure, which is mainly light and water, and being able to remember the dream in a better way. So once again, we're working with frequency, aren't we? Because water yeah. is, is a universal solvent, and it takes on any frequency that it's exposed to. That's right. I mean, Dr. Emoto did a lot around that. And oh, he was we amazing. Can pur- we can purify and energize our water with sound. Yeah, yeah. And the blessing your water or blessing your food, it has the same thing, doesn't it? Always. And I think in this day and age, a lot of our food and water needs to be blessed. Oh, does it ever. (laughs) (laughs) So, Sandy, what exactly is dream decoding? Um, Again, in the technique that I mainly use, which is from Graham Twyler and using wisdom wheels or medicine wheels, if you can picture, she would use these as psychological tools. So if you can Imagine um, a wheel as a clock face, and each of the points that would be a number on the clock has a certain vibration, a certain uh, color, a certain word, um, and a certain meaning. And so you use that as a template to decode the dream. You don't always have to put the dream onto the wheel, but all those different pieces of information on the wisdom wheel give you some kind of mechanism to decode the symbols um, within your dream. That's mainly the modality I use when I'm working with somebody. As I get to know them, um, I might use more personal things to them because after all, the dream is theirs. So you start kind of with the big picture, more the archetypes, the symbols, the vibrations, and then you start to bring it down to their personal uh, history and story. So the wheel kind of probably works with the electromagnetic field of the earth. So it's like a medicine wheel. And it works Absolutely. with the basic archetypes that we use to translate that those frequencies. And it works with the human body electromagnetic field because we all have a toroidal bubble around uh-huh. us. And that toroidal bubble is the membrane between us and other, us and everything on the planet. And if you think of sound as manifesting physical form, then everything from a virus to a seed to a cloud to your dream has to be in harmonic resonance with your frequency for you to understand it. Exactly. And isn't that the key is transversing those X points created where our toroidal field crossed that of other? Exactly. <laughs> it's so simple. Why, why, why did it take us so long to understand this? <laughs> because we don't come from that heart-centered place of trusting. We come from, at least in the Western mindset, we come from the intellect, which is needed. But the intellect is often in dissonance because of the pains and the wounds we've all gone through. So we stick to the story instead of shifting the vibration. Amazing. It's not in the intellect. It's in the heart. <laughs> yeah, and the heart's what creates the toroidal field around the body because it spins exactly. the iron and the blood. There we go. <laughs> We're going to have to pick up with this on the other side of a quick pause. So Sandy and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break. Don't you folks go away. It's just getting fun. We're coming to you <laughs> through the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net, and there's a gang of them. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Your resource for creative solutions in a changing world, thescienceofmagic.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder, Sandra Cochran. Her website, starwalkervisions.com. And Sandy, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. And I know that you usually, you know, hear the dream and then prepare it before delivering it. But we're just going to do this uh, hot off the press, if you don't mind. I'll give you a dream to decode. That sounds perfect, as long as it's not epic, because (laughs) let's keep it simple, you know, and contained here. Yes, I'll do the best I can, but it's really actually more of a vision than a dream, so it should be fun. I just kind of want to give our listeners an idea of how it looks, okay? Okay. So I've I've had this reoccurring dream ever since I was in my teens. I'm standing next to a mountain lake. There is a witness or a guide standing behind me. I'm facing the west, looking at the mountains. Coming from my left is a bird, and it it flies over, and at first I can't see what it is, and then the dream keeps reoccurring, and it keeps building on itself. So basically, the end of the dream is, is, you know, as it's built, this bird comes flying in, and pretty soon I can see it as a dove, and then I can see it's a dove with an olive branch, and then I can see it's a dove with an olive branch that's causing its beak to bleed. When it gets directly in front of me, it it folds its wings in an act of clear self-destruction and dives headlong into the lake. The water calms, and then suddenly an eagle bursts out of the lake. And in the next part of the dream, the eagle is coming across with a whole bunch of doves behind it, leading them safe passage across the lake. And that's the vision that's reoccurred ever since I was in my teens. That's beautiful. Okay. So do you mind me divulging a little bit as I ask my questions and go through what it says to me? Okay. So you're standing by a mountain. You've had this reoccurring dream since you were young, which means when you were young and looking at that mountain, looking at it in the west, west is the dark places of looking within. The mountain represents something you want to attain, a higher level of knowing or consciousness you want to ascend to, which you would do over lifetime. And the reoccurring dream keeps showing you as you build upon it at how you're moving into resonance with this desire that you have within. Lake represents emotion. So I would say at that age in your life, there were some emotional things that were going on um, because the bird keeps flying over you. Now, when something is above us, it's like the mountain. It's asking us to attain a higher level of what we already know, the information we've brought back in that we need to build upon. Birds also represent um, both hemispheres of the brain. Um, So on either side of the pineal gland, there's the right and left hemispheres of the brain, and each of them um, represents something different, and they have to work in unification, which is often why dreams are good or drumming is good or uh, mindfulness meditation is good because it unifies the right and left hemispheres of the brain and opens the pineal gland. So this bird is a dove. A dove, as you are well aware, represents um, peace, represents unity, represents heart-centeredness. So there's something in what you wanted to attain since you were a child and might have bumped up against other people in your environment or your community or even your family of origin that didn't help you create peaceful situations in your life. You might have had to reach for that. You're the one carrying the olive branch, because everything in the dream not only represents itself, but an aspect of us. So this olive branch kind of speaks to the fact that you were the peacekeeper in your family of origin or, again, in your community, but the beak is bleeding. Um, your ability to get through to some of these people is deeply wounding you, and, and you're plucking from yourself to be the peacekeeper when there might have been some point in your life where you had to distance yourself or remove yourself from that because, quite frankly, it wasn't serving you anymore. Blood is our essence. It's our life source energy. Your mouth, the beak, is what you needed to speak with. So look at what you're doing now. You're a radio host. You're bringing all this consciousness activity to other people. The dove at one point folds its wings and dies to itself by going into the lake. So it submerges itself into the deep emotions that you held within your unconscious, your subconscious, where you want to gain peace, but to gain peace, you also have to become empowered. And that's what the eagle represents. It has far-sighted vision. It's a higher level of consciousness. 
it represents in many traditions the North Gate, the place of gratitude and the inf new information that comes with gratitude. Also on Graham's Wheel, it represents the dream time and healing. So as the eagle now comes out of the lake, as you renew your emotions and come into a place of open-heartedness, all these doves are behind you. You're bringing, they all represent the peaceful teachings and new awarenesses you're bringing to other people with your now open beak that is no longer bleeding as you're a radio show host. <laughs> well, you just outlined my life. That's pretty good for somebody that's not prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Sandy, why does a person need a dream decoder outside of the fact that you just demonstrated it? And when do they know how to seek one? Um, some people are already into the realm of dreams, psychotherapy perhaps, um, looking into the depths of themselves and wanting to change their story. Um, and really, if you want to change a story, you have to be willing to change your script. And so Knowing what I do for work, they might come to me. Um, other people who have come to me that have no idea how significant dreams are or where they may be denying their late light or ignoring their shadow might often say to me in the process of the integrative therapy practice along the way, when they feel more comfortable with, with me and the relationship between the two of us, they might say something that they think is off the cuff like, oh, I've had this reoccurring dream my whole life. or I, you know, I had this deep dream last night after we did that healing last week, and then I nailed them. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a spider. <laughs> and once they see the potential they have within themselves for this knowingness, then they're, they're kind of hooked, and they start to pay attention to their dreams. They start to decode them themselves, which they should, and we have a deeper place to go in our sessions. That's amazing because, you know, this whole program is about personal empowerment. And I love to hear you say the goal here is be able to do it yourself. How can you tell when you're over your head? Because what I'm hearing you say is decoding a dream is like walking a frequency ladder. If you have damage that you can't reach that frequency without help, you're not going to be able to decode the dream. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, and that, come, you know, that's why I think rhythms and patterns and tuning the body's electrical system is so important because if you can see us mainly as light and water and waves, each time you clear those waves, you enhance the uh, light that's held within your cells. And so people have to learn at some point to do that themselves. I don't want to be your guru. I tell people when they come to my practice, if you're still in that chair a year and a half from now, you haven't done your work and I haven't done mine. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because it's important that people realize that everything they need is within themselves. Everything you could possibly want to tap if you give yourself permission. And maybe just sometimes you need a witness to that. And that's why dream decoding or therapy or, or like I said, even mindfulness meditation with your guides, that's why it's important. You have a witness to your process. Mm. How can you tell if a, if a dream is prophetic? Those are the most fascinating, I think. You know, oftentimes the few prophetic dreams I've had, I don't realize until the event takes place. Yeah, um, boy, not... I hear you there. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean, probably one of the most profound ones I had was about a year and a half before 9-11. Um, I saw myself standing at this river looking across the river at the skyscrapers of New York. Mm. And I saw these, um, what I thought were ICBM missiles. I saw these two red-tailed ones and this one gray-tailed one go across and then all this smoke and all this chaos. And in the dream, I just thought, I'm worried for those people. Something's happening. And then almost a year to the day later, 9-11 occurred. Wow. And the two red wings were obviously American flights, and the gray was um, United Flight 175, and that was a flight my brother was on when it hit the South Tower. And oh, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. Well, it, I oh. only share that because I think a lot of times precognitive dreams are going to shake you to the core, and it's your higher self's way of trying to prepare you a little bit. 
but we don't often know until the event occurs what that was trying to say to us. And sometimes I think that's also protection because what do you do with that material if you have it a year ahead of time? There's nothing I could have done with that material and it would have haunted me. Isn't that one of the toughest lessons about precognition is that just because you can hear the traffic doesn't mean you get to direct it. Absolutely. And it's probably one of the toughest things about being human is to know that, um, you know, in this pool of hundreds and thousands of souls that have been here before us, that will be here afterwards, that are here now, I mean, if there's no really no time and space, we're in this seed energy of constant movement. And if in a human form at a certain day and time we just tap into one of those little orbs going by, Sometimes it's blissful information, and other times it's something that we can't reckon, reckon with. And mm. that's just the state of affairs of being human. Well, I hesitate to open this up when we have two minutes left in this segment, but do you feel that we also, through our dreams, have the capacity to shift outcome? Yes, and I think that's the most important thing that's happening right now. We are moving from a third-dimensional locked reality into, you know, a fourth and fifth dimension of unbound human potential and awareness, multidimensional realities and abilities to manifest. And if we don't get that, we will have lost what we've been trying to accomplish for thousands of years now. Yeah, it seems like we're stuck in this victim stance and blindly running around shooting holes, you know, like a blindfolded skeet shooter, blasting holes and things and not even knowing we're the ones blasting the holes. Because the trick is, we to be able to manifest a higher form of oneness, there has to be the capacity to do that with each other, which means we have to clear deep cultural, religious, gender uh, stagnation. That's kind of more manifest now than I've ever seen it before. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to get worse before it gets better sometimes, blatant. It does. It does, and everything has a reason and, uh, and an outcome, but I think, you know, we're at a tipping point where we can go in one direction or the other. One of my other teachers, Maya Perez, used to tell me that, you know, if we don't get it this time, and most of my teachers predicted a time of about 25 years from the 2012, which was merely a gate opener, Mm-hmm. But if we don't get it, we have the capacity, many souls have the capacity to go back into the darkness for another forty-five to 55,000 years. Um, and without hubris, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying gratefully I will pass into the light. I don't know. I'm sure I've got a whole bunch of things to look at. <laughs> We're going to have to take another break, but we will pick up with this on the other side. It's definitely a cliffhanger. Um Before we pause, let me remind you to check out the amazing upcoming Galactic Shamanism classes on findyourpathhome.com. Sandy and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, your resource to altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric, working to create common ground for the betterment of our world. Join our email family to receive our amazing topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 
1-800-610-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. What's up in your world? Email me at thescienceofmagic.net and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. You're probably not the only one that would be interested. Our guest this hour is one of those gifted people of service to the world. She's the author of Shamanic Awakening and Dream Decoder, Sandra Cochran. Her website, where you can find all sorts of goodies, is starwalkervisions.com. Sandy, what's the difference between a shamanic journey trance and a nighttime dream? Well, a shamanic journey trance somewhat is usually starts out being, well, that's true for dreaming too, but I mean, you're purposely seeking something with a trance in that something is going to change the frequency when you move into those altered states. Um, In a dream, it's often your own unconscious trying to impart information to you. I, I guess my sense with a, a shamanic journeying, if I'm going to do it with a drum or crystal bowls or whatever the modality, um, it's it's directing my consciousness down a specific road. Whereas dreams are more like buckshot. You. And until you become a lucid dreamer, you really are just getting what your um, subconscious is throwing at you continuously. And I don't even know if I, I said that correctly for what you were looking for, but I do feel one is more directed and one is less directed. Uh, you no, know, that's, that's exactly what I was looking for is, you know, how can you tell the difference? What's the difference? Because, you know, people that haven't worked with shamanic trance, how are they going to know what we're talking about here? Right. You know, right. The one thing that I see, uh, and I, um, of course, you work with it in shamanism, and that's how you decode dreams. But I'm also starting to see, okay, even omens and our ordinary life, everything is full of allegorical meaning. Could you speak to that? Um, yes, and I think the richness of understanding that has come from the different cultures that I've uh, been born witness to and been mentored in. You know, when certain things happen that aren't the usual flow, um, a bird flies up in front of your windshield or um, an animal that you're not used to seeing crosses your path or somebody says something or a license plate answers a question you've just been thinking about, I think in those nanoseconds of awareness, you're given information that um, can soothe or or impart some form of information to you that you didn't have before. And because you're awake, you might be more apt to either be confused by it or curious by it. And if you're curious by it, you know you can you can dig into it deeper. So it's like we can apply the same uh, decoding techniques to the events of our lives, our day-to-day lives, that we can to our dreams. I think so. I think there's a lot that can cross over. Um, One of the examples is, you know, when you dream of, say, a white animal, that's the spirit world through the skill set of that animal. It doesn't mean you have wolf in you or turkey in you, but it's the it's the well, that's a relief (laughs) skill set of that animal trying to impart something in the dream. Well, say you're driving down the street and a white opossum crosses your path. That again is a message from the spirit world that something unusual is happening. Even if there are albino animals, let's say, in the world, they're not normally seen because there's not a lot of them out there. So that's something that would pique my curiosity and make me be more watchful and of, of what might be coming up around the bend. You know, there is a huge synchronicity between the behavior of spirit animals, dream animals, and animals in ordinary reality. Why do you suppose that is? 
I believe because they're not bound by time and space. Um, I, I think they are. They just live in the moment, and I don't think humans live in the moment. Um, I think because animals and plants and other uh, beings seen and unseen within our frequency or our spectrum, because they're in the now, um, they react kind of as a link between their celestial and terrestrial form. I think humans have stepped away from that, and I'm not talking any kind of religion here. I think that as a whole, we've we've broken away from nature and the capabilities of nature within ourselves. And because of that, we're not in sync with the now. We're either always projecting to the future or ruminating about the past. Neither one can be changed until they're here. So what we are creating now is what we're going to experience tomorrow. We're not creating it for tomorrow we're actually um, forming how it's going to appear to us based on not being in the now. Does that make sense? Yeah, I always say we take the events of the past, superimpose them onto the present, and make a rerun out of the future. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but, but I think the biggest thing that keeps us from omens, from awarenesses, from being in the now is not being connected to nature. Boy, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Isn't that really the fall when we stepped out of the garden. Yeah, and that's the sadness of what's happening now when, you know, and I'm not trying to be political in any way. I mean, I I think we're on a planet that can safely probably hold three and a half billion and we're now at seven and a half billion. And so all of our natural um, environments are being used up at such a rapid rate. Yes, there's cycles to the earth, there always have been, but we can speed that up by our lack of understanding of what we're doing. And then we don't have any connectors to those pulses that can help bring back more resonance and, and, and more frequency. You know, the, the South American central, uh, central South American mystical tradition doesn't see anything as bad or good. It's all a single spectrum that goes from refined to dense. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. nature is one of the things that helps us become more refined in our frequency. I mean, just go sit under a tree when you're not feeling well, and that tree really embraces you and helps to ground out the emotions that you're feeling if you can open to the fact that you and the tree are pretty similar. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And we We're are. all made out of the same stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and they're stationary to be sure, and we're not, but still they pulse just like we do, you know? Yeah. There's, they're, they're amazing teachers, too, aren't they? They certainly are. Yeah. You know, um, you've said several things now that lead me to this question. Do you see us in, as being in times of transition? And if so, why now? I do think we're in times of transition. I think in part that's because the cycles of humanity have gone through certain levels up that Jacob's Ladder, if you will, where we are learning how to um, to manifest on a more aware level what the universe and ourselves have in common to grow towards oneness. Now, that can be destructive and dense, or that can be refined and living in a more conscious way. I think we're in a multidimensional reality, and our access to uh, understanding the inter- and multidimensional levels that happen around us means we have to assume a higher level of dimensionality and understanding. And the denseness, the negativity that can pull us out of that understanding is kind of the conflict we're in right now, that single spectrum between dense and light. I think we have so many beautiful things happening in nanotechnology and in quantum physics and in epigenetics um, that will spin us into a new evolution of humanity. I think that's what it's all about right now, the, the new humanity. But I think there's a lot of coarse energy that still needs to be dealt with because there's so much fear and misunderstanding and judgment that doesn't belong in the oneness. And I don't mean that to be new agey or hooey or, or bent towards any one religion. It's just we're 
we're able to move into a higher frequency now, and so many people aren't doing that. They're still staying entrenched in the fears of lack and limitation. So that creates a common denominator frequency of lack and limitation, and yet aren't we moving into a time that supports the the new dream? Absolutely. But (laughs) you have to be willing to walk into that. You know, the way I picture it, there was um, a movie a long time ago, Quest for the Grail or whatever. It had, you know, um, Harrison Ford in it. And to get to the other side, to get to where all the grails were in the cave, he had to just step into the abyss. And his father, Sean Connery, kept prodding him to do that, very metaphorical. And he had to just trust. And when he stepped off, the plank just came easily out of the side of the rocks and took him to the other side where the grail cups were. And I think it is based on trust because you can't see trust. Graham used to say, don't hope. Hope has a big hole in it trust you have something to lean into when you can trust and i think that's true nobody teaches us how to trust and you know all the religions even trust faith and gratitude are big 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 things right but i think what's happened in religions is there's a spin-off with bias to what people perceive as the way to trust have faith and enlightenment and that gets in the way that causes more dissonance than it does any kind of coming together Well, we're about out of time, so why don't we just agree to dream a beautiful tomorrow? I would love that, and I thank (laughs) you for letting me dream with you this this last hour. Oh, it's just been such a pleasure, just such a pleasure. Unfortunately, time flies, and we are out of it. So, Sandy, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Gwilda. Our guest this hour has been shamanic counselor and author of Shamanic Awakening, Sandy Corcoran. Her website, starwalkervisions.com. This has been the Science of Magic. Join our email family to be the first to receive our thought-provoking, topic-driven episode collections at thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you dream a beautiful tomorrow.